0: This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. Today, cohorts Joe and Matthew meet up with artist Steven Anderson at an off-site location. They discuss his work, practice, travels, history, and so much more. From international intrigue to tree rings and notebooks, this is episode 40. He's a tough cookie. I'm Matthew White. I'm Joe Camusa. And we're here with Stephen Anderson. Hello. Stephen actually has, no- he's going to be making notes. He's taking he notes. Has more notes <laughs> And then I'm taking <laughs> notes. Scribble. So we'll know what really <laughs> is the truth here.
1: <laughs> Founding member and co-director, Day and Night Projects. Yep. Artist. Mm. Father. Yeah. Singer,
0: composer.
2: Not so much. Superstar.
0: No. Have you <laughs> never done, you know. I think I sang in choir in fifth grade. I've seen some of your uh, sound work, though. I'm, I'm sorry, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard and experienced some of your uh, your sound work.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I, I've done a lot of that over the years. It's not sort of my main thing, but
1: you always strike me as this uh, like the perfect balance of uh, like what an artist should be in terms of like this, yeah, perception, easygoing. This this. Intense curiosity And it's And not being like Tied to um, A set way of working Or I mean, to materials Process Etc Which again you know, Maybe it's grass is greener But I'm always just like Wow that looks like You know You, you have You follow an idea And you find the best tool uh, And my question is Like how, how do you do that How do you balance you, mm. I mean it's, in my mind you have, you have a lot of things going I mean obviously You know Artist yeah. Day and night the rest of your
2: life. Yeah, okay. Well Do you one? not sleep? <laughs> not a whole lot. Uh, the other night I was up to about I was at the studio I got home at two thirty. And then I had to be up at like six thirty seven to get everybody out the door and work. Mm. Wow. So I mean that's <clears throat> I probably do that once a week at least. If there's a deadline I do a lot. I don't know. It's um you know it's it, there's so much to do and so little time so I'm like the only other thing I can do is just make more time and you you know at night.
1: Kind of yeah that's right yeah. well it's fitting that you are you know co-directors with William Downs He's another one who can cheat the clock yeah
0: uh, he's sort of a superman I think <laughs> it is it is amazing another brain fuzz along William Downs that's true yeah. I forget what episode that was but yeah Mark Liebert is our third co-director and mm-hmm. co-founder he's he's amazing too how much when you're running a space like that how much does it um, how much are you adding you know you've got all the administration you've got this you're managing this space you've got people coming in you've got shows to plan how does that take away from you know solitary time to focus in the studio it's it
2: takes it takes away I mean
0: even with co-directors
2: yeah yeah. I mean we all have sort of our thing that we do but my thing is all the like marketing and um, and PR and social media and stuff which you do
0: a great job at yeah I mean you really
2: it's a volunteer thing so yeah for all of us but um, I don't know there's so much to do all the time I mean I'm getting better at it you know I feel like I can write a, um, a press release pretty well now if just given sort of like what I know about the artist and the proposal that they gave us you know like eight months ago and, and the artist statement mm-hmm. I feel like I can, in sort of what I'm looking at I
0: can put it together a lot of that is just experience just doing it
2: right Well, and that's why I mean that's why Day and Night came about so easily because you know um, Tori had had uh, started um, Doppler Doppler you know and then I had done uh, a magazine called Cakewalk in the past. I had another sort of, like, you know, group and co- curatorial and collaborative things. And Downs had done the, uh, the, was it the Do- Baker's Dozen or whatever back in Atlanta, back in you know, the 90s. Right. Mark had done something called Mitten Gallery in, at um, Richmond, Virginia. So we all had this experience that was kind of, like, made it... Not like easy, but we kind of knew what to do, yeah. in a way. Yeah, and then we knew we could re- rely on each other, and we all knew That's that we true. had specialties that, like, like Downs could install the reinstall the Louvre in a week if you know mm-hmm. if he had to. So partly it was just the, the the people that were involved. Like we we just knew that we knew it was possible, and when you know it's possible, then then you, it makes it so much easier to do.
1: Were um, there um, artists run spaces that? you know you had in your mind that were kind of
2: well I mean I've, I've just witnessed a ton in my life you know mm-hmm. from Chicago to LA to Atlanta I've just seen lots of spaces I mean I guess the most recent one before us, I was thinking of, was the Lowe Museum but it goes all the way back to Bodybuilder and Sportsman in Chicago you know like that was my housemate ran that place and uh, you know a bunch of places in, in LA like uh Monta Vista projects and Elephant. And, I mean, you know, there's just a bazillion, and they don't always last that long. But there's always something exciting.
0: When it, when you were just starting it, was it in response to challenges in the marketplace? Is it more of a, I mean, on some level, it's an, it's a networking vehicle, which is which is great. But how much uh, how much of it was in response to the difficulties in the art market on different levels?
2: Well. I don't know I feel like there is an art market and I intersect with it like sometimes yeah but you can right but you know my whole time that I lived in LA that was like 11 years like I never I don't think I sold one piece so I mean it was like the art market was there but if you weren't in it you still had to do your thing you know you still had to make art if you wanted to be an artist you still had to have a a network a community all this kind of stuff um, and I've always, uh, you know, had a history of doing that, and and so like the, it wasn't in a response to anything so much. There is this really interesting uh, writer, and I only really know one thing about her that I read this this uh, piece, and she created this Venn diagram. I'll get you the name later because I can't quite think of it. But in the diagram, like it was like what artists do, and so one circle is. They make things. In other circles, they they make experiences, and the other thing is they make communities or something like this. And like all the ways that those intersect mm-hmm. intersected described everything that any artist could possibly do. Whether you were like, you know, really into like social activism, or whether you were into like just being in your garret one year, you know, like th- all, all these different ways of being an artist. It sort of encompassed that. But to me, it was—it's really important because to create a community as part of your career, and I think that you can look at any sort of like avant-garde movement and then and see that like it, they're all based around communities. They all had their like own the like story. writers, yep. which is—I mean, things are diffused today, so that I feel like the avant-garde is like a diffused ghost. But you know, like. The way that they made themselves happen was that they they had their community, and then they had these like basic way to put it is that there was a propaganda for themselves that they put out to the rest of the world. Yeah. And you know, in the 20th century, that really would stick. I yeah. Think by the time I came around in the late 90s, early 2000s, like, I would think those things don't stick anymore. They they exist. Yeah. They yeah. they make a room for themselves. If they're lucky, they will break beyond that. But you just can't expect that anymore. But if you don't make a community, if you don't get the word out about what you're doing, you can have the greatest f***ing work, and maybe somebody will see it 200 years from now when they like unearth you know, the rubble of building that was all stored in, but it doesn't do any Yeah, you're right. It doesn't unless, do unless any you good. you get
1: lucky and maybe you're hot at the right time. Yeah. I don't want to say flavor of the month, but... There yeah. is that sometimes. There's just that magic of timing. Otherwise, yeah, you you can be toiling in total obscurity. Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, I had a science teacher in high school, Mr. Rubel, and he was always saying, "Publish, publish, publish," because if you and there was another like he was talking about uh, Gregor Mendel, the guy who invented all the ideas about genetics. His ideas sat in a shelf for 200 years, so that was a big thing for him to tell us was like get those ideas out there and just see you know they don't have to be perfect that you know but if you want any sort of like thing to come of what you're doing you have to get that word out there but what do you think i
1: mean playing think devil's advocate here though like with like instagram facebook do you feel just absolutely completely hit over the head with everyone just flooding i
2: mean there's people that post like three or four times a day you know you're like uh, but you know what, there's people that post about their dinners three times a day, I mean, or their meals. So it doesn't really, get, what you see on Instagram is different from what I see, you know?
0: That is true.
2: That's something that everybody has to realize, that like, everybody's feed is different. You, yes, it is. So, um, so somebody's
1: so, hijacked my feed. Cause,
2: well, you have hijacked
0: your feed. You yourself have You're, hijacked you your yourself.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Been doing I'm glad you bring that up It's not even so much I mean yes It's the it's the algorithm But mm. it's also like The people that you follow mm. I yeah. mean I'm starting to see In my feed Like people that I have no idea How I know them And who they are But it all became of, uh, My personal feed And my day and night feed Are different so.
1: Okay
2: Yeah And so that kind of Keeps me from Having that sort of Like uh, dissonance Like helps But um it base it's based on who you, who you're telling the machine you want to pay attention to. So if somebody's posting too much about that work, then you just don't have to pay attention to it, or you can move on to the next. But I mean, I, that doesn't worry That's not a big like. I feel. I know you're interested in this issue, Joe. But for me, <laughs> no, I'm, I would say I'm interested.
1: It's just it's the I am. It's one of those. It's it's necessary, for me to still pay attention. To Instagram, for instance, versus just like sit in my studio and well, read a book. Yeah, on. But you know, I mean, but but yeah. it also there's a cost. Is what I'm saying. I don't well. want to sound like a complete lunatic But social media to me is one of those like you don't want to completely shut. But you know, it's it's not the greatest feeling sometimes coming away from looking at that. Whereas I would love for that to be like when I would like walk into a bookstore and that just suddenly were a record store, which sadly didn't happen today.
2: <coughs> yeah <Right>. but, uh, <laughs> but okay but I mean so, so, so I, think know, of the difference I'm, like you got uh, Instagram or you got Art Forum, right yeah either one you're gonna if you look through it long enough you're gonna learn some stuff that's interesting and you're also gonna see like everybody's doing something cool Art is no different you know you look at all the ads you're just like everybody's getting shows when you start to see people that you know having shows all the time it's like it's great and it's fucking depressing at the same time you know it, it's that's a, a, yeah, that's it's very a well media, said. I mean, but it but it's only the it's only a story that they are t- broadcasting. It doesn't right. mean that that's how things really are.
0: You are spot on. Unfortunately, a lot <laughs> of people do not. They're not able to do that. I mean, it becomes their reality. Yeah. Well, I mean that's.
2: But we gotta we gotta make our own realities when it comes to media. Definitely. I mean that I majored in. Uh, they call it communications at Michigan when I was getting my, yeah. my BA yeah. uh, <clears throat> so I learned out about all that stuff and then of course you know, that was, we didn't even have email when I was a senior you know? this is 1993 maybe we had email but I just didn't really know how to use it yeah. uh, so but it kind of just it turned me on like how the, there's an industry and how it works and you just pay attention a little bit but on a sort of like level as like you're an artist creating images or or realities in your studio like it's not hard to think about it in terms of like anybody who's creating anything is just taking their their vision and making it into a reality right and like psychedelics will teach you this like image making will teach you this like there are realities that you can engage with and there's some that you don't have to engage with and some of them are totally invisible and are engaging with you that you may or may not want like power politics or, or nature mm-hmm. where it's like the only politics is that there's something that's happening to you that you are be part of but you have no idea how to engage with it
0: please, please <laughs> oh, that's great I agree with you on all of these points. <laughs> What's interesting is we are bombarded. It's the amount of information that, with which we're bombarded, yeah. and it's very difficult to separate yourself from that. I think that we have to more and more, but so few of us have the skills required to to do that. And it takes you know whether it's you know meditation or just being quiet, you know, or or digital detox once a week, or whatever. Losing your phone. Losing your phone. I have more about that later. But <laughs> um, I, we we are just. And it, come on, it's easy. And I mean, these, these and we talked about this in the last conversation. These devices are made; they are engineered to be addictive. Oh yeah,
2: no, I see. You know, and so the so yeah. it's
0: almost a. Uh, the addiction there's the addiction to the device but then the you know I don't know if the addiction to the consumption of information is is separate or if it's either way it's it's kind of a perfect storm yeah and it's almost unavoidable
2: it is and i, I can't really take a fast because I, it's part of my job right yeah so so that's the thing. No, that's the difference. but i used to when I, I i used to work for a uh Twice a month, uh, news magazine. Where I lived in Chicago, called In These Times, and I would get so worked up after a while that I would have to take a news vacation and just not look at anything because it was just like I would see how the news was made and then, you know, like and covering politics. It was like yeah, unbearable. It's it's really exciting to think about. Tuning out, mm-hmm. dropping out, mm-hmm. turning off. Uh, but I mean there are forces that are not gonna care if you do that. No, They're they gonna they grind to do that. you. I mean, you
1: can't do that completely.
0: I'm not agree advocating that. that right. So smart. there's so there's you so you need there's to that.
2: informed right. citizen.
0: Yeah. Exactly. No Especially no if you're going to complain. no question. And, uh, it, it's not I'm, I'm not talking I don't think any of us here would agree that it's an on off right. thing. it's more about noise reduction. Mm, yeah, like let's take out some of the noise, and in a lot of ways, advertisement—you uh, know—some of the technologies are good in a way in that you're not, you're not being bombarded with information that's irrelevant to your, to your livelihood. Let's say, like you right. know, you're you're buying a new car or you're whatever. Well, at least you're not going to see advertisements uh, for brasiers. You're going to see. You know, advertisements for, and it's because of the, and it's because the technology is getting better and the targeting is getting better, and I think in, in some ways that's helpful. But there is so much noise out there and things that we don't want to see and things we don't need to even bother with, and we're not even going to get into fake news. Yeah. But you know. Just the noise reduction is is difficult. So this phone thing, I'll tell you about the phone thing. I lost my phone. I, my phone was either lost or stolen. I go into the mobile phone. Purveyor? Purveyor. <laughs> and they said, <laughs> I'm not going to say the carrier. I said, I want the dumbest phone that you have. Flippy. Well... She showed me a phone. It was like uh, it did everything that these other ones don't do, but they didn't do it maybe as well, or it didn't have as many megapixels or whatever.
2: Did have the big buttons?
0: No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, um, "This is like smart, though. I mean, it's smart." I said, I'm, "I want dumb." I said, That's the dumbest one we have. I said, okay, all right, whatever. So I worked out this deal with them, and as we get along in the conversation, she said, "Wait a minute, what?" Why do you want a dumb phone? And I said, because I want my life back in some ways, right? <laughs> because I've got it. Because they're where following I can, me. <laughs> I've, got, I've got it. See that drum? <laughs> I've got it down to where, you know, I, I was just, I think, compartmentalizing. And, and, and it would work for me. She said, I understand that. She said, are you talking about a flip phone? And I said, yeah. you got a flip- Oh, the flip phones are in the back. <laughs> I don't, why are they in the back they, the system does not want you to have the flip phone no. the system wants to collect your data and everything and put you right in there in the machine yeah. just as you said machine earlier that's exactly what we're dealing with now so yes it's it's true but uh, the flip phone is good the flip phone is good you're not completely off the grid you're not you're not removing yourself from the conversation. But you are reducing the noise I think
2: yeah yeah I mean what's essential to you, you know you know that's if we could all figure that out and sort of base yeah. you know be nice if we could like uh, have a phone module that we put together we we're like I would like it to be able to do this and this and not have to pay for each of
0: this and this but just like put it together and that's what you want I
1: don't know
0: we also expect a lot of capability, and we expect it for free now. Yeah, yeah. I mean...
2: But I also need to know, like, I know exactly five ways to get to work. Uh-huh. I could do, like, while I'm reading the newspaper. But what's what's the way that I need to go now? I mean, that's that's a big part of technology, so just as much as anything else, right?
0: I'm wondering how much we really need that, though. depends it's on how aggravated way, you want to get in a traffic jam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still getting aggravated even I mean yeah. yeah I mean I don't know. It's it's I think somebody
1: hacked you and gave you a long distance runaround the other day. Uh yeah.
0: <laughs> Which can happen. And I did. Yeah. You like know, um like, watch this. And I just thought just make just, a right it. home home. <laughs> it was a guy in the back. It took me an hour to go from the wrong yeah. you know, from guy was in the trunk speaking through it. I didn't uh what was it, what's been interesting about not having my phone for a few days is that I've noticed sometimes I just have to stop and figure it out. And so when it comes to traffic and direction, getting somewhere, I'm like, you know what? Okay, maybe it's going to take three more minutes to go this way. But so what? Right. right. Well, when I moved to Atlanta, uh,
2: I would look it up on my uh, iMac and then, like, print out the map of where this was yeah. on the suburbs yeah. and drive out there. Uh-huh. After living in Los Angeles for a long time, and then Atlanta's driving is very similar. Yeah. I have no problems taking a U-turn. I have no problems getting lost, because you're never really too lost. I mean, there's always a street that's going to take you somewhere. So, the, And those were fun adventures. I'd go out and meet people, and I'm like, sure, yeah. maybe this is, like, if I had known more about this, I never would have come out here. But I did, and here I am, and, you know, here's this person that's kind of interesting. He's got, i got this huge wooden door that you, I'm going to use as a ta- table. <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, this used to be the... The boardroom, the door to the boardroom at the CDC before they renovated it. Okay. And he's got these yeah. thick wood doors, and that's my table. It was really cool to meet him. And he's got a bunch more. I could probably go get a bunch more. Okay. how he ended up with them, I don't know. Right. So nobody wanted them. He it had has a bit of on
0: it, but it. it, it. <laughs> <laughs> but that notion of like the flaneur
1: or the derive, like the situationist, you oh, know, like yeah. the. And as a massive creature of habit, you know, there's power in taking, you know, the arbitrary left turn. Even just yeah, to, totally. just You know, yeah. the same commute, it makes me insane. Yeah. Um, yeah especially, I, mean, I, I think, in, for creative thinking. Like, how do you... Not just in the studio, but you've got to introduce some kind of chance into life. Otherwise, it gets to the point where it's just the same, you know.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: So I...
1: Well, I, that's,
2: that's... I mean, part of the way I make artwork is, like... Well, that didn't work. Let me try this. (laughs) You know, so there's a lot lot of of people
1: we talk about that, and we think you know that a lot of people hide that. I don't think it's in vogue to really talk about like chance Mm -hmm. and suddenly you know the work is diminished.
2: Right. I mean, some artists will do the the eching and and yeah, and do that. I'm not interested in that so much as like just the. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a. I have some friends who wrote a book all about failure as an artist and how to, what that means, you know, and it's, it's been a subject that a lot of people talk about. It. Like that, that failing and trying again. I mean, the trying, again, is the most important failing, part.
1: Failing, I think, is a very strong word, though. Like, it is. I mean, I think if anything by now. Well, you could out, say,
2: fail, you know. you, no, you no, I know. But it's <laughs> not like, you know,
1: it's not like this life or death. I mean, like, oh, like, you're either out of a sheet of art well, paper or the candle. Okay, it know, can
2: right. be life and death. Let's just face it. When you've got a big artwork and you're almost done... With that little last bit, it feels like life and death. It it, it can feel it. But
1: in my mind, though, there's still that thought of like, you know what? Like, If I might not feel great and I'm working in the studio and something, I'm like, this would be really bad if I was like a doctor, like in the operating room. Like, I have to kind of always go back to the reality of like, and that's where I'm I'm latching on to what you said. You know what? And that's why I work in series often, like make another one. Right. Or Mm I look for systems to try to take that Mm -hmm. preciousness out. Like, oh, I don't want to... because yeah. sometimes the best stuff Is the stuff that you're willing to Absolutely mess up Or put something in that you wouldn't normally And then you can react to it Otherwise, you know, how do you not just make this
2: Same skin right Over and over No, no, And, I, I, and that's well, of why I've, it's called art and Yeah, no, part of the process that I've gone through Is like uh, I did a lot of printmaking when I was in college And, you know, as printmaking You just have to, like It's got to look like you know what you're doing And it takes one smudge, and you're just like, ugh. Yeah, you're right. After a while, and, you know, a lot of my work's on paper, so I was really feeling that for a long time. And then, finally, I was just like, I don't know if this happened when I was in Los Angeles, but, you know, like, my studio was outside under a tent. The humidity was usually low, but, you know, sometimes it would be humid, sometimes there would be some... cat or a raccoon or whatever that would come through and just be like, oh, well, they got a smudge on it, or I got a smudge on it, or yeah. whatever. And, and finally, and then I was like, oh, I can just tear the paper. And, and, you know, I got over that to where things are not so precious. I mean, to me, that's that's artistry in terms mm-hmm. of, like, all of us
1: are trying to find something that is the most unique, uh, the essence of ourselves, and, um, yeah. and to not get hung up. I mean, Chris Martin always comes to mind. Somebody who's like, it's part of the piece if this painting literally just gets dragged around and beaten, and <laughs> I'm not concerned with that. And I, I would love to get to that point. I'm just like you know, I'm at still at a point where if I'm paying to have something beautifully framed, like yeah, I don't really want that frame dragged around because it's not supposed to look distressed,
2: but, right? I mean, that uh, but I'm
1: uptight, you know. It's part of my personality. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think but, like I think mm. that's great when you can see this kind of uh, yeah. evolution in terms of okay, yeah, you're an outside studio, you got humidity, paper's going to curl, it might. You know, like how many times have I been working on a drawing for a couple hours and then there's that one little slip with a ruler and yeah. suddenly and then you're like... And I'm not going to throw... I'm just like, all right, now I have to solve this problem and work yeah. around this smudge or whatever. And again, I think sometimes that's where the magic happens. Yeah,
2: those yeah. detours. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, like my sort of... Like I've always done collage, but the, the way I'm doing collaging now is not to it's in a different way and it sort of came out of a necessity whereas like I want to make a really big piece on paper to get a really big piece of paper is a thousand dollars I mean
0: how big are we talking
2: well eight by eight feet you know it's a thousand dollars at least Um, so I was like well I guess I'll just sort of, like, take a couple sheets and put them together. Uh, oh, I know why, because I, was, I had, so I had, like, two glued together, and then Stuart Herodner was like, oh, you know, you really should consider the seam there. And I'm like, he's right. And so I did some more, like, it took me a while to get to the point where now I just, like, I tear it and I glue it, and then there it is, and that's the edge. So, um, and now I just, like, that's, that's the way to go. And Now I can make an infinitely big piece of paper.
0: Mm-hmm. To, to go back to what you said earlier, Jared about um, Matthew, the detours that that come into the work, how much of that, you know, people don't want to talk about that. Uh, maybe is that because there's a, is that a holdover from the fine art uh, kind of expectations, or is that like a historical thing that they, a true artist knows exactly where he or she is is going? I don't think that
2: comes from. Uh, an art direct... Like, I don't think that critique comes from the art world. I think it comes from external, where the real world expects everything to be, like, thought out and uh, figured out and stuff.
1: But people also aren't necessarily seeing how the sausage is made. Like, take whether you take, like, an Aeron chair or a Dyson vacuum cleaner, how many sketches or how many, you know, digital or or whatever, like, took... To get yeah. to that point, to that final... How many, I mean, there's some artists that, like, just, like, here's the guts and all, you know. Right, and it can be very sexy, but I just... I agree, I think sometimes people... it Maybe it's that feeling of art, especially if it's abstract art, I think there's this... Am I being put on here? Like, what is this? Yeah. And if, it's, <laughs> if they start hearing where there's this... Any hint of, well, like, I'm in a trance, and I throw, you know, paint mm-hmm. across the room, and there, a lot of them are out, instead of maybe just... Maybe that's where like saying less.
2: Oh the yeah. Work, no, you know. I I run in I've run into that before. I went to uh, New York a few years ago, caught this uh, lecture on a Joseph Boys show at um Wooster Street Gallery somewhere. All very interesting and stuff and but they were all sort of like New York um, uh, experts about Joseph Boys and they all had their black turtlenecks, which I mean who doesn't love that? But I was like, was it summer? Uh, no, it was <laughs> February. So uh, it, was, it was reasonable. I just but, was just trying to make sure. But, uh, but, uh, degrees, but I was thinking, okay, so so this guy was coming up with all of these crazy ideas in the '60s. Did he have any correspondence, any affinity with, you know, like all the psychedelic thinkers on the West Coast? Mm. And I asked, I put that to the to the panel, and they're like, no, no, of course not, no. Did he have any spiritual anything? No, of course not, no. It's all very blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I was like that's just so disingenuous. Mm. You obviously don't care about that or else you would explore. It because yeah. it's like parallel. So mm. at the same time, you just can't assume, you have to assume that there's some like, if nothing else, the zeitgeist that they're holding on to you. But like, they had to, they're writing a letter to everybody, right? I mean,
0: that, it, that's part of that what is it the narrative fallacy you, you tell it later like it was just this linear narrative and this mm-hmm. is and then this happened and then this of oh, course yeah. you know and it, no, it life doesn't work that way yeah
2: no I'm rereading uh, The Savage Detectives by Roberto Bolaño and, okay. and it's all about like I read it a few years ago but it's nice to come back to it and you know it names drop so many Latin American poets that are either fictional or real and I don't know and I don't speak the language very well so I don't know there is no like movement it's just this like mass of interconnecting stories and and they were all writing to each other and talking about each other
1: our art history though you know literally seems to like be like from MoMA and then everything gets well that's I mean that's (laughs) so wrong (laughs) yeah Yeah. no no
2: and that, but that's I mean that's what you learn as a you know your first art history class maybe you have to start somewhere But with history, the more you—the longer you get into it, the more you realize the first story you heard is not necessarily the right story. Mm -hmm. I mean, that goes with any kind of history. Sure. Mm -hmm. I'm just dying for the moment that I can give uh, Howard Zinn's book to my daughter, because it's going to blow her mind now, you know? It's just like, oh, all these, like, sort of narratives that you learned about American history are totally subverted by all these, like, amazing people they we're working against that and succeeded i mean it's just it's inspiring so reading obviously has been a huge part of your life I mean, I'd actually so i mean yeah i mean i've always been reading when i first moved to uh los angeles in 2001 all my friends were going to cal arts i'm not going to cal arts what are you guys reading and uh they're like "White, lose and guitar yeah, yeah. and i'm just That's- like well, I don't have a nope. job yet. I'm just gonna like smoke some pot and hang out on the back porch and go through this and like, you know, the whole world opened wow. me up into me again. You know, like, and uh, of course, it's <laughs> all like, this
1: like, like a gulag for me like in Siberia man to lose a cherry really oh, yeah, no, no. and a bag of like oh that like first and then that's the reward
2: but there's a damn it but there's an agave plant right there and a bougainvillea like blowing out its colors right in front of you you, you know it's you're like, an Olympian I like it I'm not saying that I absorbed it all I mean, you know, I mean, obviously there's stuff I don't get. I don't even speak French, so, you know.
1: Whatever, I think I have read the the first page of A Thousand Plateaus like a thousand times. I don't know. not yet.
2: <laughs> but it's an it, infinite for jest. for me, That's the same one. Oh, yeah, of course. Always but I mean, hell's but waiting but for waiting me, like I was I was wide open. I'm in this brand new to me part of the yeah. world. I'm going to engage with wonder and and use that as my tool to like find out what the fuck is going on and it just like that led me to everything I'm doing right now but that is the what I if I if I could have like a, a a job
1: description of an artist like that's really the way to go like as you said mm-hmm. to have wonder and the fact that like you're not maybe at CalArts with all that pressure and not like you're tested on it but there's you're either it's you're writing you're talking but to be able to just say I'm gonna
2: dip in I'm gonna get what I can out of mm-hmm. this that is you know I think yeah. And you have to remember, like, uh, when I when I moved there, it was October 2001. Mm. So, you know, the whole world was like, what the hell is going to happen? Uh, people weren't even renting places because they were so shocked for a month, you know, after the attacks and the September 11th attacks. And, uh, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to start all this new kind of work. Because my work in Chicago was like, Painting pictures of like these dormant trees in wintertime. <laughs> I mean, it was like everything was gray, and I'm like, so I've got a new place to live, a new, a whole new like, wh- what's my subject? Now? You know. Uh, but it came right back to nature, and just sort of looking at it in, in all these different ways, and all that all that reading helped me figure out, like, okay, so how does nature work in term, in light of this uh, philosophical idea in light of this you know? and so instead of like doing gray trees I was painting like these amazing like desert plants that were so bright and so like fuck you with their spikes and everything and all their ways of like doing their you know surviving and reproducing and it's like man there's a bazillion metaphors I can use from here and, and that's just like there you go there's your path you know it can it can gather all these other things as you're walking down it but like it's just gonna add to
1: it were your uh, were your grad school friends jealous I don't think so
2: (laughs) they had all the shows (laughs) I don't think so at all
1: do you think that's uh, I was gonna not success but we're always kind of curious in terms of like the benchmark you've mentioned like showing that's how important is that for you showing
2: it's important, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the. it's important, of course. Those ideas that you have I have to get out there. Like the show I'm going to have in October is going to be different than, uh, it's not going to be all my most polished work. It's going to be like kind of reaching back to stuff I was doing in 2009 and sort of like looking at it fresh and all the ideas that I've learned since then. And it's not going to be so polished. It's going to be more like, here's a thousand things I've done. I, maybe it'll turn out like that, but it's definitely not going to be the polished, like, tree rings that I've been, you know, working on. So it's important to show, it's important to get your your work out there, but, you know, it's like, don't wait around for the galleries to pick you up, because it's going to be lonely, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, whenever you get a chance, like, get your friends together and do something, make it happen, and I've done that several times in my career, and... Which can I add? It's been 20 years since I graduated from college last month. Congratulations! Which yeah, which is like pretty exciting uh, to think about because you know there's always that sort of like I mean, no teacher ever told me that like, but the, everybody knows this this notion of like oh well hardly any of you are going to be artists uh, yeah. down the road you know like, I don't they're like 90 percent or I don't know what numbers they use. But all it takes is just sticking with it, you know? I mean, don't you
1: agree? I mean, the people that I know that are making anything, there's just that, the, at the base of it, there is a compulsion to make. And whether they have to show it, mm-hmm. sell it, those are secondary. I mean, I just, I see people that just enjoy mm-hmm. being in their studio, whether that's the kitchen table or some mm-hmm. thousand square yeah. foot thing. It's a notebook. It's a computer. I don't care what it is, but um, that's where it really starts. Instead of like, you know, folks that maybe are already setting their sights on being, you know, famous, or I want to be like, you know, like.
0: I think the problem that comes with exactly what you're saying, I want to be famous, or I want to do this, or the compromises that you have to make both in your both in your production, the choices that you make with regard to your to your work, the actual choices that are that within one piece they can be influenced by what you think is going to impress someone either a gallerist or a collector that you know and I don't think
1: those people usually last though because like it's, I do think I don't it take so either tremendous strength and reserve and it's like people that like I mean Thomas Noskowski comes to mind and, um you know, purposely made paintings on small, like store bought, crappy canvas so that like the Mm -hmm. antithesis of galleries, you know, and yet famous professor teaching at Rutgers for a million years, you know, obviously has gallery shows now in museums, but still kinda clinging to that. And there are a lot of artists that still are like wanna you know, they'll participate in the quote world but on their terms. And they're still kinda not comfortable with it. Right. versus I, there seems to be this like industrial professional artist complex and yeah. uh, I know the yeah. MFA yeah. thing of course funnels into it but
2: yeah.
1: nowadays it, there seems to be a lot of individuals that expect to be able to come right out of the shoot mm-hmm. and survive, live off, succeed Succeed at art instead of like just mm-hmm. make art. You yeah. might need to well, work in a steel mill or not. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
2: I mean, all right. There, there's, a, there's a little bit more nuance to that nobody's nobody's so naive that they're gonna graduate from from with their MFA and with like how much debt and be like I'm gonna succeed right away you know no you're, though I assume all the you're time you're around Nobody. people I mean there they're I mean, I, maybe I don't know that I mean sure maybe there are but like I don't I mean why do you think
1: someone is taking on that? why would you take on that debt even Yale, when you think about how many people come out of Yale and don't wind up making art, say you come out of Yale with eighty grand, whatever the number is, versus maybe you go the state school route and you teach and you don't have that debt. Like, what is it that there are people that are still going to bet the farm? Let alone the sense of entitlement from a lot of folks that every, everything should be free. I should get to this is probably the part they get edited out. There goes Joe on the rack again. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like that, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't sense that from folks. I'm just like, there's a lot of artists that you know like. I mean then you start thinking like make it maybe like to writers Bukowski I mean the dude worked that Mm -hmm. job Mm -hmm.
2: that's uh, all I'm saying let's just say like uh, most of the recent graduates that I've met are from like Georgia State uh, art program and they seem pretty level headed about yeah it's a good bunch (laughs) what their expectations are I don't know I mean like so when I when I was going to school when I was like, I'm going to be an artist, right away, I was like, okay, I may not be famous right away, but by the time I'm 80, I'm probably going to be famous. That's my, that's my goal. You that's know? your goal? You know, by the time I'm an old man, like, hopefully I've done enough so that there's some recognition. Yeah. Uh, and if not... Someone would say I'm an old man now. But no. <laughs> now. But... Um, you know, so I didn't have that expectation of like, okay, right out the gate, uh, I'm gonna just like blow them all away. We all were thinking that everything we do is the best that we've done so far, unless you like, I'm not proud of that. But
0: you I'm look not. back
2: and you're just like, well, okay, <laughs> this is not. I mean, no, I, no, you're not. Yeah, no, you're I, not I, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, I understand. I don't know. I, I guess I'm of two minds of this. Like, yes, there are some people that are like, they go to school, they're in the pipeline. And those schools, and I know about this. Uh, just witnessing the scene in Los Angeles, each MFA program has their pipeline to collectors, galleries, publicity, to 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 mentors, whatever. It's all right there. And if you if you're talented enough, and you work hard enough, and you are lucky enough, yeah. Boom! You're you will skyrocket, you know, and. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the best thing for their career, yeah, but, I say, but there's nothing they can do about it. They're just like,
1: <laughs> I'm ambitious, so let's do it. Are there people that are in your head though right now that are still like
2: thriving, or did they get, you know? Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, So one of the people that my, David Kordansky was not necessarily a friend of mine, but he went to school with all of my friends at CalArts, and he's a well-respected Yeah he's kicking ass he has been for years you know I was I was around when he first got his thing in Chinatown and you know Uh, there are other artists like uh, well like Carl Erickson who's an amazing artist who's been doing stuff forever and he's he's moving to Memphis to start a 10 track job and he's like he's going to be showing it day and night next summer and he's like fantastic Laurie Nye is another artist who is from that same class at Cal Arts and has been in L.A. painting and making amazing stuff and then, like, had this, I don't know what happened, like, some revelation or something. Her arc got very visionary and, scientific, uh, like, science fiction-y, and it's just, like, from there she's been a nonstop force. And oh, wow, that's cool. Finally has been getting written up over this last couple of years, and it's amazing to watch that progress. Yeah, so, you cool. know, like, that's a that's a slow burn, but she is just going to be up there.
1: Probably slow for from the outside, you know, but I'm sure... I mean, that, you know, that for was some of those people, class of... Like, what, what took
2: you so long? Class like, of 2003, you know, I don't know. That's 15 years.
1: But, you know, I don't know. In music or anything else, like, maybe that's, you know... That
2: seems that me seems for, about right to You know, for make. a longer, you know, career versus... I mean, the, I certainly didn't get any... Uh, it wasn't until I moved to Atlanta that things started really falling into place for me. And do you think... Is that anything intrinsic about the Atlanta scene? Was it just like, well, access to certain individuals? Like It was it was a lot of that. Like So f- a lot of the people that I met and knew that were artists in L.A., when I, when I knew I was going to move to Atlanta, I'm like, all right, well, first of all, I'm like, what's going on in Atlanta? Oh, the Atlanta Contemporary is this museum, and they've got a studio program. That seems really interesting. I want to do that. Uh and I didn't know if it would be easier or hard to get into, <clears throat> but then I'm like, telling my friends about it, and they're like, "Oh, the curator Stuart is my best friend. Let me." And I was like, "Can you write a letter of recommendation?" And they're like, "Yes, of course." so I had two people write letters of recommendation, which seems like such a Charles Dickens kind of thing. No, I
1: mean I've, I'm <laughs> old but, enough. That's that's. The but world. you know, know. But like there it
2: was, yeah. and and so he's I a s- good man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well. Right. He comes from a good family, you know? <laughs> so I sat down at uh, I. I scheduled a thing with Stewart, when he had a fifteen minutes All the thing, 15 minutes, and yeah. uh, he's like, "Oh, I've already heard about you from Joe Sola and Nancy Pop," and and I was like, "Oh man, that's fantastic!" And then so from there, I had a solo show at the Contemporary six months later. I mean, it was about yes, it was connections and networks and stuff, but it was. 11 years of meeting people and talking to people and and, yeah. and Suddenly there was an opportunity and then since And it all happened when I moved to a new place and let me tell you about when you move to a new place All the failures that you know about and people know about The new community doesn't know shit about. <laughs> and not only do they not know about things, but you can you can Suddenly, invent yourself in a whole new way. When I uh, when I graduated from, from college in Michigan with my BA, I suddenly couldn't get a, um, I couldn't get a job at a hardware store, and I'd been doing that for I'd been doing that all during school. And uh, I'm like, oh, geez, I thought I was going to go into advertising. Nobody recruited me. And my cousin was like, well, why don't you come to the Czech Republic? I'm here and uh, it's a great place to be so I went there with $300 in my pocket and uh, I lived in Prague and I and they're like oh man there was a really like interesting uh, community of expats from Canada Britain you know like the uh, United States and other places and I'm like oh man you know what there's like three guys named Steve that are from the United States here already in the scene like but you're from Michigan. Maybe you should go by the name of Mitch. It's like, well, and they're like, okay, Mitch. And for six months that I was there, nobody nobody knew me as Steve at all. So I was like wiped clean of. Uh, I mean, luckily I had my my cousin left soon after, and so I, I knew his friends and I had a place to live. But I was I was Mitch Anderson, and it was like. <laughs> the wow. most incredibly liberating thing ever uh, because I
0: Do you want to include that or are you, are you any, any kind know. of Interpol concerns or anything like that? No, I,
2: I mean know. I did get in trouble once for like well a couple times but it, it all it was fine <laughs> I mean nobody knew who I was and I had this whole new identity to sort of build on it was amazing so like then I moved to Chicago and I'm like I'm going to uh, be an artist. I'm going to go to art school. I'm going to, like, participate in the poetry scene in Wicker Park, and I'm going to do all this stuff. And he was like, oh, my God, this is an amazing way to be a human being. It was so... So did you... Was, you grew up in Michigan. Did you, mm-hmm. like, live in the
1: same town your whole no, life? I, did you... No,
2: I, I grew up in a little, like... I don't even know of a hamlet. I guess you'd call it sort of a a, like, sort of neighborhood that's in between... Dexter, from Michigan, which is a really small town in Ann Arbor, and uh, probably a lot of the people that lived in our community were professors. How far from Ann Arbor? I was like, maybe 20 minutes okay, down right. here on River Drive. Uh, anyways, so, um, but then in sixth grade, after sixth grade, I moved to Battle Creek, which is on the west side of Michigan, but then I went to school back in Ann Arbor, which is a really weird thing, because there's all these ghosts there, you know, like, you find yourself in a store that you were hanging out with when your mom was trying to like buy some shit and you're just like hiding under the furniture and then now you're in the same thing or a bookstore was still there. Meanwhile, there's like all these buildings that are brand new. You're just like, what's going on? And it wasn't until I was like a senior that I'm like, oh, um, I'm going to go like drink espresso and do drawings and like... With a black tarp with a neck? Well, no, I was still in a fraternity, so I didn't go that far, but I, you know, I was like, oh, there's poetry readings. I would go to a poetry reading. That sounds really cool. And then, so anyways, I returned from Prague, and I went back to Ann Arbor for a little while. This guy's a renaissance a, man. Yeah. I mean, yes. went, oh, how? can I tell you that my, uh, my first, uh, roommate, freshman year, I was like, I want to be a renaissance man, and he, he mocked me mercilessly for that.
1: <laughs> what? I was <laughs> like,
2: oh. Turns out he really was an asshole. Oh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. Amazingly, do you meet
1: people like that? Like, no, I I suspected it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Now laughs> suspected
2: it. Pardon me, Yes, yes. Wow. Um, but I was back in Ann Arbor after my my trip to Prague and just like really just letting it loose, you know, like I'm gonna just drink a lot and ride my bike through the graveyard, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I missed the Midwest. Actually, it was great. Thank you very much. <laughs> um and I was working as a dish, you know, a dishwasher. Uh, get a good sense but, of completion with a job. But then, okay, so but then I, oh, man, I had this, I had a job. It was the night person at this like student uh, uh, housing. It was uh, not a campus, like not a university run, but just like a student housing right on campus. And uh, I engaged in some shenanigans because it was. I was unsupervised, which is great. I'll never get through that. But I, in the meantime, I was like, okay, I've got, uh, a, <laughs> I've got, uh, a, I'm going to make some cassette tape covers because there's a mixtape. And so I'm collaging magazines together. And I'm like, I love this. This is everything to me. And this is, and th- it was that spirit of collage that's like, I started took a painting class and then I'm like I'm moving to Chicago I'm gonna take this stuff and show it to them and then you know I went to art school so
1: I think that's the gateway for a lot of folks Columnes? a mix- mixtape, okay but then one step further because you had to p- listen to the whole song you know while yeah. you're making it you yeah. couldn't just yeah that's uh, true but that's the true. collage yeah. aspect so Ryan McGinnis uh I've seen a lot of his uh mixtape covers uh in a book entitled you know next tape ha
2: huh.
1: uh, Thurston Moore actually was like the editor but uh, I remember just thinking like that was also one of those reaffirming things that something like you might not think is art or it's not high art you know if you're just like I've got this marker and this tape and this glue but you're still making something but I mean I was definitely
2: people, you know, inspired by my, cousin, by my cousin Jeffrey who I went to visit in Prague he, he was also doing that so I was like yeah this is great because he you know, it's like you have it with you. It's a thing. You like, but it's
1: pure because you're you're making it for the love of right. making it for you. Right. It's utilitarian on another. And it has it has the
2: ideas of the music that's there. Sure. And it has the ideas of like. I mean, I was like, I've got like six Newsweek magazines right here, and like, so it's going to be very topical, and it's going to be like. I don't know if they're still around. They may, they're not lost. They might be in my parents' house. I don't know. Are you a good uh, archivist?
1: Mm. Like a, a hoarder, a good hoarder, a neat hoarder, or, or not? But yes like, and As no. far as a
2: steward to your work. I have well, been in your studio, maybe. but. So I kept all my notebooks, 20, uh, from my very first one in 1993 to 2012, all of those notebooks are at the Rose Library. There's like maybe 40 of them
1: which is, and these are like writing and they're like this art.
2: a small skin they've got I mean this one's brand new but they're like you know stickers on the front right, but like, collages
1: are, so they're they drawings
2: they're like people's phone numbers they're like plans for paintings and actually some of them like actually happen you know they're do all there you miss there. having access to them or did you well I can go get them anytime I want and I think I'm gonna have to deal. because I'm going back to this old series and I didn't want to see what I was really thinking about but on the other hand, I don't have to worry about them. They're there. They're safe, and they're right. I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, that's amazing. Congratulations. It's, it's well, thanks. What this a happened a few years ago. I mean, Alice walked it down at W on the shelf, and I'm an A. So, like, maybe right not next to her. But you know, like, there's some there's some serious you know, people there. So I'm really excited about that. Well, I'm a notebook chunky, and I, yeah. I love but the but Don't get rid of them. Don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> Unless it's giving them to somebody. <laughs> no. who's...
0: Those notebooks, I'm yeah. telling you, for the penmanship alone. Mm-hmm. See? It's gotten bigger, yeah. though. Well, and that. there's one without yeah. even lines. See, they, look at this. Yeah, yeah. this
1: is actually yeah. bigger. There's years oh, where this it was is just great. like yeah. half yeah. of that. I mean, it just was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. but, uh. That's I guess getting back to, you know, like the monumental can be amazing, you know, like the eight by eight foot drawing. Hell yeah. But I still think like some days, like to be able to have access to like either somebody's notebook or pull a flat file drawer right. out or what have you and start seeing like the consistency
2: right. in ideas or maybe not, but just yeah. the, the work. Yeah. Right. And, and the notebook that, that I, amazing. yeah, the notebook that I just finished. So a lot of my notebooks are the last couple of years, like, have been I don't draw that much. You know, there's some artists that draw every day. Yeah. I know Rebecca Morris is a friend of mine and she draws it she makes drawings every day and she's just got stacks and stacks of So in my notebook I don't draw that much but over the last since I've since about like I don't know twenty eighteen, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this show in October. I'm gonna I need to figure out what to do. So I've been drawing and drawing and I like finally kind of filled that notebook and scanned it all and blew it up and printed it out on tabloid size and I'm like I've got 40 pieces of 40 drawings and of course they're photocopies but I just pasted them all up on my wall and it's just like oh my god there's so much there that I can draw from now and even though none of those are like sort of finished things now I can be like alright that's the one that I'm going to make on this larger canvas and I've never really like done that before but yeah. to see them all there is like really exciting
1: how uh, you know you were talking about the power of community, and I was just thinking like in any setting, you know, if you're lucky enough to go to art school, BFA, MFA, whatever, but the power of the cohort. Nancy loves the term cohort. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like just, just like, like
0: being anywhere. Near. <laughs> Where did it come from? It's, it's been around it's for the, years, but then all of a sudden, it is
1: it right now. Everything is, a isn't it?
0: Uh, it used to have a negative connotation, cohort. Really? Yeah. Like you and your ilk. go oh, yeah. And, and, but now it's yeah, it and it's hard very, in my mind to shift from that. It seems like something
2: from the annals of the Emory University of 1920 or something. I don't know. Cohort. I just don't like that word. But I understand the people using it. Sorry, Sorry Joe. I you back. No, no, it's all
1: right. Um, this <clears throat> brain fuzz can be messy, rambling, <laughs> discursive. <laughs> yes. Where is the? Oh, I know. I not know. You're totally. No, 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 no. Matthew's, no, 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 no. Matthew's gone Amish. I'll class. insert. Oh,
0: hold on just a second.
1: Are you on the Amish
0: Cleanse? Is that-
1: <laughs> no, no buttons! <laughs>
2: Amish Cleanse.
0: That's going to be a thing. Someone's Brought to you got- by the Amish Cleanse. That's, that's the name of my new game. Uh, <laughs> can I get been, that at a. We've know, been playlisted by. Uh, <laughs> what is oh, There's no stage lighting. It's, it's candles and. Candles and a bass guitar <laughs> amplified. <laughs> Uh, Sorry.
2: No, it's all right. I was just making that jump of, like, you know, again, the power of community and... Uh. I love being in a uh, place where there's other artists because, I mean, I had my studio at home before I was at the Contemporary and, like, this is my living room. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, it just wasn't working.
1: I mean, that, that can be amazing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it is in the... But, I, I mean, I get both sides of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand Having, that,
2: had... like, a lot of artists are pretty happy with, like doing work in their in their residence and in the, in that worship mm-hmm. song but for me like I need the separation and I yeah, need to be, be able like. to I need to be able to make work big yeah. and keep it up on the wall right.
0: and it wasn't up.
2: until like I had the contemporary that I was mm-hmm. like oh I can make my work really big and once I do that people st- stood up and noticed oh I could do this all day guys no, I um, know. No. We, people, we, we people, do. We just yeah. don't. Oh, we,
0: well, no, no. Uh, let me say this before we continue, because I want to hear. Just a, This episode is brought by Halliburton. <laughs> I want I to hear. him a damn good briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and, and, and the and, Amish clans. And their, their
1: nation buildings,
0: Uh I want to hear about the tree rings. We yeah. need to talk about that briefly. Yes. For those that are not familiar with the tree rings, we okay. need to talk about that. But first... Let me say something about uh, the on site location where this is being recorded live. Muss and Turner's in Vinings, is it just outside Sparta of Atlanta. Or Vinings. No, this is Vinings, actually. They refer to it as, to it as Vinings. Um, yeah, just outside of Atlanta. It's a, I'm telling you, it's a foodies paradise. And the bar is fantastic. We're not going to talk about the bar that's behind. We are in a speakeasy. It's a speakeasy, yes. so we don't want to give the name of it. There
2: is a secret room. But
0: go to and Turner's next time you're in Atlanta or if you are in Atlanta and live inside the perimeter, don't venture out. It's only, what, a, a mile, 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 maybe outside of just a, a mile outside Depends of
2: 285?
0: Just outside of 285, oh, it's yeah, just yeah. a mile. There's, there's life. Yeah. Anyway, Munson and Turners and, and I just want to thank them. I think we can all
2: love this place. Oh, yeah.
0: I, yeah, We can all thank them for their. Um, Matthew's
2: given me
1: the equivalent of the New York Times. Oh, uh, uh, what is it? The Fresh Air Fund. You know where they take the city kids and put them up on the, take them to like a farm upstate. It's
2: been great.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks to Munson Turner. Speaking of trees, thanks Look to Munson. Thanks to and <laughs> Turners for the hospitality. I've been oh, very it's been, yeah. All right, so we are actually going to have to transfer our talent oh, to some true. unknowing um, recipient. But you know what the, before this, we do that, this is ring. like
1: stoppage time in World Cup. We've got like 12 minutes. Tree so rings, ring. So this one, you, you pull okay. the goalie, and now it's just a... <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, uh, tree ring. So, well, I was doing work that was about magic, and it was writing a mantra in a... S- spiral over and over Um, and it was a sort of a personal magic performance or a ritual or something Um, but they take a lot of energy because you really kind of put your everything into it Uh, and I was thinking about like well okay so how would these be abstracted and how would they how can I do something a little bit different that's sort of similar because I like that sort of one of the ways that I've done my work is, or that my process has evolved over the years is to sort of really pare down on the decisions I have to make, and, like, so I had made a few rules for myself beforehand, like, I'm just going to write in a spiral, Uh, or, and then I was like, okay, so, but I still am interested in sort of nature and how it's working, and how it the metaphors that we can get from nature. So how do those two relate? Because they had come from the same place, but now let's bring it back. Uh, and I'm like, and I don't remember the exact like, moment. I could probably find it if i have had enough time to think about it. But, but I was like, oh, there's rings on a tree. I mean, you, you know, you start looking through your world and you'll, and you've got some image in mind and you'll start to see it everywhere. And while, uh, tree rings aren't spirals per se they're concentric circles but it's the same sort of like if you were to draw it it would be the same sort of mark making almost you know instead of scribbling you're just making a line Um, so I just started making a circle and a circle around it in concentric circles and uh, all I had and it was in the center of a square so all I really had to do is like Decide what color was going to be in the next one and how thick the line was going to be. I mean, it's like I pared it down to making two decisions instead of like an unlimited number. Right. Yeah. Uh, So that was really like I'm not even really interested in minimalism. I don't know if that's the process that they went through to get there, but to but to simplify in, in a way that you're not stuttering. Around and deciding what to do next. One of the big questions. Yeah,
1: that's par- paralysis.
2: Yeah. To you you could to see that outfit. in my work in the compositions of, like, oh, that's. I could see it. That's where I had to stop and think about what to do
0: next. One of the questions people have when they first see that work is how do you. do you uh, Are you twisting the paper on a. Well, some okay, sort
2: okay of, so, so um, when I'm doing it on. A, I'm just paper, and Mm -hmm. the paper is stationary, and I'm drawing a circle. Now, if it's a big enough sheet, I'll have to, like, sort of, like, pull it down off the table so I can lean in. Yeah. Um, But the one that I'm working on right now and I'm almost finished is um, basically I glued the paper to the panel... And now it's sort of resting against the wall, and I'm standing up, and then sitting down, and then oh, know, like oh, going around. Okay.
1: All right. You used um, to work flat, though, correct?
2: I used to work flat, but the but now I'm putting these on a panel rather than on just paper, um, because it's uh, it makes it easier when they need to leave. I bet. Well, nobody has to pay a thousand you know like right. thousands of dollars to frame it anymore. Yeah. I could put it on a glue into a panel to, from the get go varnish it and it's like it's like a painting already yeah Um, and I like I like that in terms of like how to in terms of how to be in the realm of painting because I feel like they're drawings because I'm using like markers and pens and it's like a I refer to them as drawings but they're also paintings it's this weird I don't know how to delineate you know yeah I didn't do a thesis about what their works labels. on
1: paper and but I mean that, that was kind of you answered now my question about yeah. like your question about like the
0: yeah, you yeah. answered my
1: question about like the archive and longevity
0: well you should okay. check out the work if you're not familiar with it you should look at the show notes at brainfuzzpodcast.com you can learn more about Stephen actually see uh, see some work linked to some work uh, learn about day and night projects as well and uh, so much of what we discussed will be linked there on the show notes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. dot Stephen, I've known you for a while. Joe, you I and I both have you, known yeah. well we just met outside. But we've known you for a while and I tell you, I have learned so much about your work and your process that I didn't I, I, I didn't know. And your history. And I yeah. yeah. And then some other yeah um, life tips <laughs> <to>. <laughs> uh,
2: thanks this has been a blast I feel like I could just do this for days but we'll, we'll okay. keep talking we okay. should keep recording. we're gonna keep
1: talking I don't know if we're gonna keep it we, we have to change venues though yeah yeah, yeah. I'm sure. knocking on the stall door
0: thanks Steven. bye connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at brainfuzzpodcast.com on social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag brainfuzzpodcast.
2: I think mean, what we got is pretty good. Part two.
1: So this is this is how it started though. And I don't think it was like a name stuff.